0: FM to get started.
1: It's a nice day for Warren's wedding. Welcome back Z Nation fans to the Z Nation After Show and Afterbuzz TV. Tonight we are talking about season 4, episode 7, Warren's Wedding. We've got a very very special guest calling in guys. Stay tuned. You're tuning into The Destination for TV Superfan Discussion. Afterbuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. <laughs> Intentional Misdirect. You all expected white wedding. No.
2: We wanted to go and
1: have a song about losers and (laughs) posers.
2: Hey! (laughs)
1: As if that would relate to the Juggalos in some way, shape, or form.
2: (laughs) None of us listened to ICP, so we couldn't exactly... You you
0: really should, though. They're pretty fun to listen to.
3: We weren't confident enough to make a selection, so we regress back to our seventh grade selves. <laughs> I, I am more, com- I'm more comfortable with the music
1: I listen to in middle school than really anything else. But hey, this is there, true. Hey there, Z Nation fans! Welcome back. We are here to talk about Warren's wedding. Let's not waste any time. Let me introduce my fantastic panel. To my left, Katie Cullen. Hi, all my buddies. You can follow me all over the social medias at K-I-A-X-E-T. That is K I A X E T. To her left, Michelle Cullen. Hello, everyone. Everyone, what's up? You can find me on Twitter at Cullen. I'm Megan Salinas. You guys can tweet at me at the menguin. That's t h e m e n g u i n. We are going to be keeping an eye on the hashtag #abtvznation. Katie's got you guys covered on the live chat and calling into the show. Uh, the term writer and photographer, I don't think quite encompasses everything he does. So I'm just going to go ahead and give him the the. The um, title of Jack of All Trades, or I guess for I'll this for this episode, the Sinister Minister Daniel <laughs> Schaefer.
0: <laughs> Howdy, folks! Good to good to see everyone or hear everyone. I guess.
1: <laughs> Thanks so much for calling in. Anytime. <laughs> so the
2: sinister minister his oh name. my god it
1: took me a minute to recognize <laughs> you on the show because i i like the the top hat was just, and like the makeup was just so over the top that it took me a minute and i was like wait a minute is that daniel
3: may, was may that, that over the top piece. to you oh <laughs> die. So it
0: sad. was actually that top hat as in all its glory uh, was stolen out of my car in the middle of the night uh, because I, I had a broken trunk and didn't realize. And so there's uh, there's some young punk running around in Spokane, Washington, wearing my uh, my sinister minister top hat and two pairs of my prescription glasses. Actually, How oh. dare? kind of an odd uh, theft overall, but definitely a stylish one. <laughs>
1: You're like, well, curse him for stealing my stuff, but darn it if he's not going to look fabulous while doing it. I mean, it's well as long as I still that. have
0: the crazy shoes and the, the, the cloak of the minister, I'm, I'm pretty happy.
1: Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Was this because you've been on camera many a time for this show? Um, yes. Is this your first speaking role on the show?
0: This is my first speaking role on the show. Uh, you can hear my voice. Uh, in the background, a couple of times uh, throughout season two, just as like Walla and uh, uh, various sort of uh, extra background conversation. Uh, I believe in uh, 20, or 2.12 and 2.13, I, I make a couple of little audio cues. But otherwise, no, this is my first full-fledged on-screen speaking role.
2: Welcome to your SAG card.
0: I, hey, I'm, I'm going to take advantage of that. <laughs> I did not expect that kind of day rate, believe me.
1: <laughs> well, congratulations. You pay me sack
0: bass, I'll play just about anything. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Very nice. <laughs> Since this was your first like full speaking role on the show, were you nervous at all?
0: Oh, yeah, totally. It, it, it was sort of a combination of things because it was such a, just a ridiculous role. Uh, that sort of uh, allowed a certain degree of confidence. And I, I again, I must thank uh, producer and writer and director extraordinaire Steve Graham for uh, allotting me and trusting me the responsibility uh, of uh, bringing the sinister minister to the screen. So I, I will be in his debt for that for a good long time. Um, <laughs> it's definitely a, a part that uh, the, the way I found out that I was in consideration for it uh, is my father walked in. And he was like, how do you how do you feel about clown makeup? (laughs) I can hear that in his voice too. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah. So then uh, I, I I had the part and apparently it was, it was written uh, with, to a certain degree with me in mind, which I very much appreciated.
3: All right. That's fantastic.
1: So for for this episode, it's kind of a little bit of a wild ride, and we're going to be honest: none of us are insane clown posse fans. So I feel like a lot of the humor and irony of this episode is completely wasted on us. I mean, oh,
0: well, uh, I will say there's definitely a lot of sort of inside jokery in it that if you are uh, a juggalo or at least juggalo adjacent, uh, uh, people <laughs> will appreciate. Um, but I like the nice thing about it is it just does l- like lend us back to the realm of slapstick that sort of brings us back to our uh, season one, season two stylings nicely um, and kind of lets us get back into the little bit of absurdity that uh, we <laughs> started with, um, because the nice thing is as serious as this season is and as as dark as we've been able to get, which we all love being able to get to get where we have been. Uh, having those little added moments of absurdity were definitely nice. And uh, uh, next week's episode, uh, which all I can warn you of is uh, z- a zombie nunnery uh, will uh, allot uh, a certain degree of that comedic seriousness once again.
3: <laughs> oh goodness
1: I cannot wait <laughs> we're gonna uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to predictions
2: nun puns uh, that's uh, what what you have to something to, to remember is to. Uh,
0: one of Carl's uh, earliest successes was a short film called Nun Foo that used to play before the Rocky Horror Picture Show in Los Angeles. So uh, wow. nuns and violence are uh, a, a story tradition <laughs> in the Schaefer family.
3: That's fantastic and so wonderfully strange. Uh, it is, it, is it is it on
2: YouTube or someplace where we can obtain it? Netflix? I've yet
0: to actually be able to find it myself. I know we have it on, like, one inch or somewhere deep in storage, but otherwise, it, it uh, I, even I have not actually seen anything aside from a production oh. still or two. Oh wow! Carl,
2: I'm, wow. I'm. What a... are you doing? <laughs> All right, Z Nation fans, that's your quest. That's, find it. That's your homework for this week.
0: Yeah. Who, whoever <laughs> can find the, uh, the the original Nun Fu, I, I, I would be forever grateful.
1: <laughs> I
2: think that would be a gift to the world. To be
1: yeah. honest, mm-hmm. um, Katie, did you have a question?
2: No, I was sitting on nun puns. Ugh. <laughs> Why do I bother?
3: <laughs> That's what you have to look
1: forward to. Um, so, talking about this episode, uh, where was the inspiration for, for like, Juggalos, of all things? Because we, we've we we've seen a lot of stuff in the Zompocalypse. So, I was wondering, yeah, where did the inspiration for this episode come from?
0: Well, I, I, I can't quite speak to uh, Steve's frame of mind when putting it together um but uh i will say one thing that we always like having on z nation is that that just the it it sort of is the, the the freak of the week to a degree and uh the juggalos are such a lovable bunch of uh really just phenomenally fascinating subculture just filled with some amazingly cool people um and we just uh it comes down to a lot of the time we talk through like all right, who would actually survive in the apocalypse? We have a feeling in in burnt-out Detroit, uh, like, the the Juggalos uh, would still stand strong.
3: I do
2: agree with that. Yeah. The Juggalos, however.
0: Well, well, the most interesting thing, just as a pure coincidence, is that the week we were in production of this episode also happened to be the week that there was the big reveal that there happened to be a... uh, a showdown about to occur between a white nationalist march in uh, uh, Washington, D.C., and and the Juggalos. And the Juggalos were like, we're not going to put up with these Nazis. I remember that. And so, like, social justice Juggalos were the the talk of the town. We were very proud to be associated with, uh, (laughs) with the Juggalo brand at that point.
1: You gotta hand it to anybody who stands up to Nazis. Yes. Yes.
0: I just, I really want to see that showdown. Just clowns (laughs) with hatchets. Just, like, you gotta give it to them.
2: Didn't the Nazis, like, not show up?
0: Uh, They just, nowhere near as many of them showed up as anyone thought. And way more juggalos showed up than anyone thought. (laughs) So that would have been quite the showdown. If
1: I saw a group of juggalos coming towards me wanting to rumble, I would absolutely run.
0: And, And one thing I will say, and I say this with full honesty... Fago is a phenomenal beverage. <laughs> just a phenomenal, a truly phenomenal line of sodas. Uh, I am, I am proud to say that. Uh, on my road trip home at the end of the season, I, I stopped several times throughout the Midwest and picked up a, a Fago or two for my drive. <laughs> it is a Midwest, uh, and it, it really is a, a lovely beverage. And actually, uh, believe it or not, a Jewish beverage company. Yeah, <laughs> so it's really? it's a full yeah. level of communal support that I think no one was aware of in these uh, politically trying times.
2: Well, Juggalos are the reason that Fago is still afloat, aren't they?
0: Uh, uh, probably in good reason. There, it, 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 it's definitely a. Uh, uh, a, a key element to their brand. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: I guess. And, you ju- and, and we actually had specific permission from Fago to use the brand uh, in the episode. That's uh, As long as we did not kill anyone with a bottle of Fago. that was the only <laughs> real condition. Is we were not allowed to use Fago as a weapon.
3: Okay, that's a fair request from a company.
1: Yeah, in terms
2: of product placement, for sure. You really don't want the like. Oh, did you see the Fago kill in that episode? You don't <laughs> want the phrase yes. Fago kill going around. Like, uh.
0: yeah, let's get that trending.
2: <laughs> well, then someone's gonna be like, "Did that happen in real life?" Like, no, 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 no. Calm down. Uh,
1: well, let's let's. Talk...
0: Z Nation is real life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I worry about your real life. <laughs>
0: Oh, God, don't get me started.
1: <laughs> well, during production, it is like 14 hours of your every day.
0: 14 hours a day for almost six months straight.
1: Yeah, so I can definitely see how the <laughs> Z Nation would be real life at that point. No, in,
0: in the case of the apocalypse, which is seeming more and more potential every day, I feel like our crew is better equipped than almost anyone you'll meet.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, you guys deal with the
3: apocalypse on a daily basis. I wouldn't argue with that, yeah. Yeah. Just grab the props and go with it. <laughs> uh, Who's got the z-wacker? All right, let's roll. I,
0: I've got I've got Reds Club and Warren Shield on the wall of my New York apartment as we speak. So you
2: are
1: prepared. <laughs> so That's fantastic. I am prepared. So. This episode is an interesting one. Uh, we we have all of the crazy juggalo stuff, um, but we also have Zuggalos. our yes, <laughs> we also have our crew who is in mourning. And actually, this episode, talking about how certain things about this episode harken back to season one. Uh, the episode that this really reminds me of. It seems like a much darker version version of Welcome to the Foo Bar. Um, you know. We- Lucy being dead the entire group is reeling and instead of uh, Warren kind of being the one to come to terms with it, in this case it's Murphy having to come to terms with the person that is gone
2: but I feel like we kind of had contrasting those two episodes Welcome to the Foo Bar, I feel like we had uh, things with Warren kind of strung throughout, we'd cut back to her at the bar, we'd have a conversation, We'd do ever, we'd do whatever and then when things got real she kicked into action here, I feel like we had a character development sandwich. We had the funeral, which was beautiful and heartbreaking. Aww. We had Murphy flying off the handle. We had a whole bunch of really, really uncomfortable stuff. And then we had Murphy give a speech about parenthood. So I I feel like we just had that chunk in the middle that was all Zuggalo light torture porn. And then we... <laughs> And and then we had the actual good character stuff right at the end there. So it was there, but it was like the world's least comfortable mallow cream sandwich.
0: <laughs> well, I think that is something that is sort of on brand for us, though, which is the combination of like the, the, the obviously difficult uh, situations that are the reality of our apocalypse is that. Like we lose people, and 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 that is something that this this show, despite its absurd low budget moments, I think we deal with pretty pretty bluntly in a lot of ways. Um, but then at the same time, like sprinkling in a little bit of absurdity with uh, uh, a cadre of clowns who are out for blood in the most carnivalistic ways you can find, I, I, I think it's. Uh, in a lot of ways it's a good distillation of uh, stuff that usually ends up like over the scope of a season we just get that level of absurdity and that sort of heartfelt nature in the same episode in this this moment
1: yeah i i actually really appreciated the character development that we get for murphy oh yeah um especially in contrast to where warren is at right now in life because she is so uncertain about herself, to the point where, where they see a woman in danger, Murphy is the one going, we have to do something, guys. We have a moral responsibility. And I can't say Murphy saying that without laughing. Well, Murphy well, also well, wanted to go Also, in an odd something. way,
0: one of the, the overarching things for Z Nation is it is a struggle between humanity and, the, the in an odd way, the zombie identity. Um, and and Murphy, in, a, in an odd way in this episode, does border on some of his most human moments um, and, and sort of has stepped away from his uh, apocalyptic ambiguity and sort of self-prioritization he often has. And, and in this episode, I think we see him sort of holding on to human life a little bit more aggressively than we've seen him do so in the past.
2: Yeah, but he also got them into this mess because he just wanted to kill something. I feel that like is true. He is not thinking straight.
3: Yeah, I feel like he went on an interesting journey of piking a zombie out of sheer anger and then seeing a zombie being tortured and and in my mind thinking back to Lucy and Lucy's connection with the zombies and Lucy's gone. And then they started up murder two people. Two yeah, still is, human that beings. <laughs> that's a, something that I feel like we're all glazing over, is that Murphy and Ten K and Doc just murdered two people. Murdered
2: actual people. <laughs> well, that's not the first time in this show that's happened, and let's be completely real, it's not gonna be the last. <laughs> well, no, yeah, but I feel this like
0: was but mildly casual us. murder is just an aspect of the apocalypse that you do have to face
3: <laughs> yeah i mean self-defense murder all the time in this show but this was just like did you look at me funny like, and <laughs> you look at you it's me almost dead. like they tortured them for the past couple hours no this was before, before oh, they got this is before the torture oh, that happened. i'm mixing this is up how my everything hot
2: <laughs> That's right. Enticed I'm mixing up my everyday. Not only
1: did they murder them, they straight up hacked them to pieces.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's it's a it's a Ugly one. He he puts that sword cane to good use. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um
1: I what I I think what's interesting about Murphy in this episode as well is that when he sees where the crux of the conflict is coming from the Zuggalo family, um, that it's a mother-son dispute, that this is very much a parent and child disconnect, he also wants to fix it by, like, but in, like, the weirdest, most, like, angry way possible because he can't fix what, what was wrong with the relationship between him and his daughter. Oh yeah, this no, is. No, he's a... he's
0: definitely able to identify with it as as something that he's he's feeling quite differently than he has at any point in our previous seasons.
2: This this is very much an instance of knocking people's heads together and going, "Quit being stupid," <laughs>
3: or
0: more... I will pull this apocalypse over.
2: <laughs> or
3: please <laughs> do, please do. <laughs> Can you turn of, it around? Instead of knocking their heads together, just electrocuting them until they oh. agree and see see the
0: light we are, we are far beyond turning this around let's be real
1: <laughs> hi, hi, hi. i
3: can't can't backtrack now <laughs>
1: nope and it got so bad that he straight up murdered that woman when she refused to back down it's like okay gonna get electrocuted now
2: <sighs> he never should have saved her in the first place
1: that, I disagree with that. As uh, like to be like, okay, yeah, it could have been a trap. But if you see somebody who's been clearly left to die, you wouldn't think,
2: yeah, she's better, better off if we just leave her. It screams trap, and they just got trapped and wound up in the hell crates, and that's how we lost Lucy. Like direct chain of events. So after that, we're gonna walk straight into something else that screams trap? You heard it here first, everybody. In the zombie apocalypse, Katie
1: will leave you to die. <laughs> Only if I don't know you. <laughs> but, um, kind of with, it's, again, it's interesting looking at how bloodthirsty Murphy is uh, because prior to Lucy being introduced in the show, when he had the the biggest connection to the zombies, he was the one going, like, we can't like we shouldn't hurt them if we don't have to i can communicate with them since he's lost that connection all of that empathy is gone because he no
2: longer feels it well the zombies took lucy from him no they they did he got bitten and she saved him he doesn't if if he doesn't want to blame himself and doesn't want to deal with that it's the zombies attacked me the zombies bit me she gave up her life to save me it's the zombies fault grief doesn't have to make sense (laughs) <laughs> this is a really good argument discussion that we just had. Um, <laughs> it was a full yeah. conversation. I do want to ask,
1: Daniel, since you were on set uh, a lot for this episode, a lot of this episode, for me, reminded me of, like, a House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Reject sort of a- like, Definitely Rob's aesthetic. Definitely some heavy
0: reference there, especially in the makeup. Um, I, like, I know the Sinister Minister... Um, was definitely, there was a lot of reference, uh, sort of, uh, Claire Brooksbank, uh, was the artist, uh, who was in charge of designing my makeup and, and just did it, such a great job. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, uh her and, uh, Tess Leia who, uh, collaborated to put together the, the wacko face I was wearing. Um, and that was definitely a, a heavy point of reference. I think the beard also just helps tip and tip that scale. Yeah, just that much more.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the beard was a little uh, unwieldy. <laughs> yes, it was combed out to its yeah, maximum yeah. It, it was
0: like combed up and out in ways I have never, never attempted before or since, um, <laughs> and and hopefully never will again. Hopefully, I will also never have to wear uh, camouflage cargo shorts ever again in my life. <laughs> um, That's fair. <laughs> I was, I, I was not personally a fan of the camouflage cargo shorts, but that's just me. Um, uh, style. It, it, it was all a great look. And, and and like the hair and makeup team and the wardrobe team, like Ashley Russell and the the whole wardrobe team just put together just the most amazing looks like down to every last detail. Like I love that. Uh, it, It's a detail that I, I'm not sure how actively it actually makes it into the episode. Uh, if memory serves, but I had this amazing belt buckle. I was wearing like a, a white leather studded Hot Topic belt uh, <laughs> with a world's greatest lover belt buckle. Oh my God. I, I was just like, like for a man of the cloth, this is really it was just. I, I it was a very satisfying combination.
2: <laughs> okay, but that cloth is camo cargo short.
0: That cloth is camo cargo short. I actually have the sinister minister jacket uh, and the shoes in my apartment here. I'm I'm a big fan of uh, stealing souvenirs uh, <laughs> off the prop truck at the end of each season, so I, I have quite a few uh, 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 items that I probably should not have. <laughs> Uh, but uh, nevertheless, I do.
1: <laughs> well, we were talking last week about um, the the prop team's attention to detail and uh, in terms of attention to detail in this episode, that bell buckle definitely sounds like that hits the mark. Yep.
0: Well, yeah, that was that was actually Russell and wardrobe, just like picking just the best stuff. <laughs> um, but then also uh, something to look forward to is uh, you really want to talk attention to detail. Uh, keep an eye out for uh, all I'm going to say is Ooh. keep an eye out for the cut and the curl coming up in uh, a few episodes, and I think you'll be you'll be very happy when it comes to uh, the attention to detail paid by our set deck department, who just, just pulled out all the stops and Ooh. put together one of the craziest sets you've ever seen. Speaking of sets, so that's another thing um, worth knowing about Z Nation is just a production reality we have is like this season, every episode was produced on a five-day schedule. Um, that is nigh Isn't all that unheard of. Even video.
1: quicker yeah. than you guys have been doing it before?
0: It is the fastest we've ever oh. done it, and I, I'd be surprised if anyone's doing it faster. Jeez. Um, 14 hours. So, one of the indeed. things that we do inherently is we look every season at locations that our great location scouts have found Debbie Dahlstrom and Pete Moreau's um and and see like locations we have that we have not used so for example in season three uh an episode that was literally just completely written because of a location uh was uh doc and the three witches um and that was just because we found a guy who had a castle in his backyard um in spokane washington uh similarly we shot this episode and i think a lot of the reasoning behind why this episode was was greenlit and, and made it to the final uh, set list was because we had a Uh, House at the edge of the Hilliard neighborhood of Spokane that had a Ferris wheel in the backyard. Um, So, like, we did very relatively minimal uh, set decoration. These are things that are just actually there, um, which is definitely very, very helpful on our time frame. Um, And the ability to write to location on this show gives us so much uh, of an advantage when it finally comes to production. Um, and it saves us so much time and also just like gives us fun ideas like as soon as like we were like wait a minute we have a ferris wheel <laughs> we got to do something with the freaking ferris wheel man
2: and thus the carn evil came to be
0: the carn evil
2: <laughs> and then you wind Spocane. up with the windmill full of corpses cards against humanity card
0: oh we 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 have a windmill somewhere i'm sure <laughs>
2: somewhere
1: <laughs> i'm sure there eventually we'll hit a windmill full of zombies um, yeah, yeah. talking about location, what I think the thing that really stood out to me in this episode was that the the black lit set, um, you know, it's not the first time that Z Nation has used black lights before, but this uh, because it was an evil carnival, basically, uh, it really popped and it really looked amazing.
0: So, yeah, I got to give that to the the guys on the set deck team who, again, just went above and beyond. Uh, One of the things that we had a really interesting uh, production change this season that we haven't really had in the past is we built way more sets this year than we ever have. And part of the reason why is because we had the uh, Museum of Arts and Culture in uh, Spokane, which is the uh, Museum of Pacific Northwest Arts and Culture. uh, We actually had the ability to use their space as a soundstage. So we had an exhibit going of like about the locals, uh, like artists who work on the on the show, and like really a a full-on museum show about Z Nation. And one of the things that we used there is we had the uh, the standing sets, and people could come and watch us film. Um, And so uh, while this particular set was actually on location. Um, one of the things we were able to budgetarily reprioritize was that a lot of our set deck uh, was able to be much more elaborate. We were able to build crazy things like the wheel, like the, the full blacklight <laughs> set, like the, the giant mouth and the, the golden toilet throne. Like we were, we were actually able to build those when in years past, we, those are things that we have to sort of avoid for production time. This year, we actually were able to lean into that, which was really nice.
3: All right, that's, that's awesome. awesome.
1: That's awesome. So people in Spokane got to see you guys filming episodes this year?
0: Yes, ma'am. We actually had like a essentially an open set. Aww. and anytime we were shooting at the Mac, um, people were able to come and watch from above in uh, uh, their largest gallery, gallery number three. Um, and so all of the zona stuff was filmed at the museum. Um, all of the citizen Z stuff, the citizen Z set was built into the exhibit. And when we weren't shooting there, people could like literally like walk onto that set and check out, check it out in detail. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really nice thing. We actually had, uh, we had a woman drive up from Houston, uh, just to come see the, the set and see us filming for the day. Um, wow. and then drove immediately back down to board up her house before Harvey. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so that was- wow. 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 And, so, and, and it's just like that kind of stuff made us so happy because like what the what the exhibit was about was showcasing the incredible local talent that we have in Spokane, Washington, um, and just sort of what the uh, abilities of our cast and crew who are just ridiculously talented people um, uh, really are. And so it, it gave us the chance to sort of show them off and thank them for all the work they've done. And so having the uh, local Spokanites and then also just people uh, who are fans of the show come and check out the exhibit was really, really satisfying.
1: Yeah, the relationship this show has with the city of Spokane will never cease to, like, warm my heart.
0: Whole lot of love. It's, it's such a great town. And, and I think a lot of the, the sensibility and especially the humor of the show in a lot of ways, comes from the people of Spokane, Washington. It has its own attitude. It has its own uh, sense of humor. Uh, a little-known fact that I, I'm always happy to talk about is that David Lynch, in uh, in an interview uh, just after the original Twin Peaks aired, said that he got the idea for Twin Peaks while sitting in a motel room in downtown Spokane uh, after a flight was canceled. Um, and that, like, the city is actually sort of what inspired uh Twin Peaks, and the funny thing is, there's only one motel in downtown Spokane, and it's the Trade Winds Motel where we shot episode 202 and threw a Murphy double off of the five story roof. Uh, <laughs> we so drove
2: by that. There when we were is up a there. little
0: bit in there, so there is a little bit of overlap, and additionally, a lot of our cast and crew uh did work on the the new Twin Peaks.
2: That's nice. Awesome.
0: Because that's a, a little Pacific Northwest overlap. So, so we like to think there's a little, a little bit of a spiritual connection uh, between our apocalypse and and their surrealist, uh, whatever you call it.
1: I could definitely see this being the sort of apocalypse that would happen in the world of Twin Peaks for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Plenty of cults, plenty of weird, <laughs> plenty of weird stuff going on.
0: Well, yeah. Like season one was cult of the week. Season two was <laughs> freak of the week. Season three was like what's Murphy doing now? And like, <laughs> like, just every season we there's there's always like a little bit of an overarching uh, theme that we uh, tend to figure out over the course of things. And and this uh, this season's where the hell is Warren going? <laughs>
2: the yep. season is you okay? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, you okay, huh?
2: You okay, girl? You
0: doing you
1: okay?
2: all right? Uh,
1: we have a, a comment in the live chat saying we need a red room spin uh, spoof with zombies. It's actually that—that
0: that, believe it or not—has been brought up in the writers' room on two separate occasions. And uh, <laughs> again, if, we, if we're able to pull it off, we'll, we'll always be more than happy to. Oh, that would be stupendous!
3: Can we talk about as a group? Um, just circling back to Absolutely. specifically about this episode—is Warren a past Juggalo? Yeah! yeah, I, I, th- I, I have think so
0: that, many questions. Anyone worth their salt uh, should spend a little bit of time at least getting to getting to understand the uh, the the juggalos uh, as a people, as a culture. Um, <laughs> I, I, I will say I went I went in only having known one juggalo uh, for a kid from my high school who I was dear friends with. Um, So I I didn't go in with any judgment besides, oh, yeah, that was that's what uh, that's what Jorge was into. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I remember that. Um, And then, uh, like, actually listening to the music sort of in preparation for the Sinister Minister, a little bit of method uh, to the madness. Um, It it really did like their their music's pretty freaking great. Like, I really actually quite enjoy it. Um, And borders anywhere from like like very, very skillful rapping uh, to just some of the most horrendously comedically inappropriate music I've ever heard in my life. Um, uh, so, uh, it's definitely worth a listen. I, I, I will, uh, tell anyone who's a skeptic, uh, to listen to the Juggalos, uh, <laughs> or listen to, uh, Insane Clown Posse at least once.
1: Now, um, because correct...
0: it's definitely worth a listen through.
1: Correct me if I'm wrong, because I really don't know, but I think I remember hearing a couple years back that the Insane Clown Posse was actually, in a weird way, satire? Like, it's kind of like several meta layers like not necessarily if, if a joke is, but if it is
0: they've gone deep that's all i've got <laughs> like it's
1: say. a deep deep cut i might be completely wrong on that i well, wouldn't be surprised i, if... I think
0: it, it, it's in the same way that uh d um started as like a comedy troupe and <laughs> turned into a pheno- like a phenomenon on all its own so um, either way, they, they make a lovely product and they're, they are a lovely people. And actually a few of the extras we had on the show were like actual juggalos, uh, who could <laughs> nice. speak to the, the culture and, and, and they were big fans of what we were doing as ridiculous as it was. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to, I'm, I'm down with the clown.
1: <laughs> that must've been very helpful in terms of like actually getting it from the juggalo perspective and bringing that into the show. Um, yeah. As far as this episode goes, uh, Warren, you know, the, like, the, the big sort of kind of, cl- I, I want to say the big conflict is Warren kind of versus the Juggalo King or the Zuggalo King in this regard. And I want to ask everybody here, Daniel included, if you had to go up against a Zuggalo, would you want to do the trivia or would you want to do the rat battle? The rat battle. Rap the rap battle
3: <laughs> i know none of the <laughs> trivia just... I,
0: I feel oddly somewhat confident when it comes to the rap battle uh and for no particularly good reason but I, I feel like i could at least hold my own slightly better than i could in the uh icp trivia
2: i mean none yep. of us are lin-manuel miranda but we can at least make stuff up on the fly I would be bad at both. (laughs) It's
1: so terrible. Uh, The funny thing
0: is like Kalita was very, very worried about that. She was like she she thought it was actually like she she thought it was a real potential uh, threat to sort of her cred a little bit. And I think she did phenomenally. I thought it was like a super, super fun part of it.
3: I thought she did better than he did. Her attitude (laughs) and her nonverbal acting throughout this entire episode was just so on point. And it was classic Warren that Kalita, you nailed it, girl.
0: No, Kalita always kills it. She's she's just, like, so the heart and soul of this show um, and just has such a great attitude at all turns.
1: For sure. Uh, yeah, just the entire... The, the look on her face the entire episode. She's like, really? This is what we're doing? Really? Okay, fine. I'm going to school you. <laughs>
2: I didn't even want to be here. I said we should just keep moving. But
3: no... Uh, don't and,
0: get off the boat
3: and just <laughs> drinking the mystery drink oh. which I think I read is called Pruno.
0: Good old Pruno. That yeah. If you never had you some Pruno, definitely uh don't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> it's 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 actually our our piece of mythology is it was actually brewed in the toilet throne cuz Pruno oh. is technically toilet wine. Yeah. That is yep. like the uh so it was brewed in the throne which by the way just one of my favorite little touches having uh, in that last uh, s- uh, scene actually spent a good deal of it bent over the toilet throne. Uh, our set deck uh, lead, uh, Colin, uh, made the lovely choice of putting a, uh, a spray painted gold uh, fake turd in the the golden <laughs> toilet so that I thought that was just just a nice touch.
1: Again, attention to detail. Wow, That's why I love to trust people. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I do want to talk a little bit about the former Zuggalo queen. You know, after they save her, it doesn't take long to prove that it actually probably was a mistake. Um, but man, like as a character, you can tell fairly early on that she's a little insane and also very much a terrible person. But gosh, oh,
0: Janice was just like one of the one of my favorite actresses we've had as a guest almost this whole season. She was just such a gem to work with.
2: She was a glorious actress. Yeah. Like extremely well acted, super uncomfortable to watch.
1: Like just that monologue where she and um Sergeant Lily are are together uh, you know waiting for everybody to come back uh, from from inside the and Fritos just... truck. <laughs> It was just this phenomenal, like, I could definitely see somebody taking that monologue and using it as, like, very much a part of their audition process. They're like, hey, I've got to do a dramatic monologue, this is what I'm going to do.
3: Forget that, I'm pretty sure I've had a conversation like that in the Midwest. (laughs) Like, if you go to rural town Wisconsin, that's not that far out of the realm of reality. I might get no, a lot yeah. of hate for that sentence, and, and, but and it's she, because yeah, it's she pulled off to that me.
0: part just so well and gave it so much spirit. It was it was a really fun uh, fun thing to to have her on.
1: Yeah, she. How did you guys find her? Because she was just absolutely stupendous.
0: I'm trying to remember if she was in L.A. or a uh, uh, Spokane uh, local. I, I I believe she was L.A. because we actually. Uh, had a little bit of a production hiccup and actually uh, had to send her home for a weekend and then fly her back up uh, to do uh, a a couple of scenes that we were not able to get to on the initial run. Um, But yeah, her and uh, Gracie, uh, who plays Sarge, um, just had such great chemistry and were just so funny together. Um, I really, really enjoyed that dynamic.
1: Yeah, Sergeant Lily is the straight man in that scenario. was just
2: so funny. Sarge also did not want to be here today. <laughs> Nobody did. Nobody wanted to be here. Just that dead-eyed stare that she wore for 90% of her screen time was just like, "Yes. Yes, I am listening."
1: Yeah, to no, that was
0: <laughs> that was a, a, an appropriate uh, reaction. That was also one of the worst weeks of smoke that we've had in Spokane in a while and Ooh, and uh, uh, poor Sarge was having a little bit a uh, little bit of trouble breathing uh, and was a real trooper that whole Aww. week. Um, but yeah, that that was definitely, that was a fun one production-wise Because we were all uh, hacking up a lung by the end of it
3: Uh-huh, I'm sorry Yay, fire That's never any fun I do also want to give a shout-out Because I saw um, Sarah Coates post this uh, Her sister-in-law was the zombie whose head was in the ground
0: <laughs> Oh yes, I forgot about that <laughs>
3: I just she tweeted that and I was like, "That's fantastic!" And she just was saying something like, "It runs in the family." <laughs> so, Pie, Girl's, no, we, Pie Girl's sister-in-law was a zombie in this episode. We
0: definitely keep it in the family.
3: Oh, for sure. Uh,
2: that's I love which that. Which is a bad thing when you're Zuggalos. Ooh. I I feel like, and this is kind of what I picked up from the dialogue there, that mom and dad were juggalos and raised the Zuggalow king in the lifestyle. And that he didn't really want to do it because we got all that. Why couldn't you just be a normal mom?
0: <laughs> it's def- there was definitely some, a little bit of darkness to that relationship, but, uh, I, I cracked up real hard when we just rolled the dad out of the closet.
1: <laughs> I have to ask, like, oh honey, was no. <laughs> was that an overt Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, reference, or was that kind of again harkening back to season one um, with uh, sort of the the cannibal episode, where you again you have like the the sort of head of the family who's no longer no longer sentient, so to speak.
0: I think it's a, l- a little bit of both. It's 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 definitely a, there. There's a slight combination there, and, and here on Z Nation, we're definitely big fans of of referencing uh, horror and uh, other genre films that we just adore. So that, that I would not be surprised if Steve had that one under his hat while he was working on uh, this particular piece.
1: Yeah, because he wrote and directed this episode, right?
0: That's the way we do it here on <laughs> Z Nation. That's that's a, a big element to actually sort of what makes us. Producible and, and, and a great thing that Carl does um, and, and sort of a, a principle that Carl goes by uh, when hiring people for the show and also when just giving people their marching orders is he, he keeps a crew who won't let it be bad, um, who are all like personally invested and, and love what they're doing. And so a, a great way of doing that is if you have the writer and director on the same uh, – uh, as the same person, it simplifies a lot of the process because the writer then – uh, ends up writing things that they know they can produce. Um, and so especially like uh, having having that extra touch because in television, a lot of the time the the directors are really sort of they, they, they come in, they they go pr- relatively quickly. But on Z Nation, I, I'd say a hundred percent of our uh, directorial staff, um, does have at least some other role on the show Like we had Keith direct one this year uh, Jason McKee Our VFX supervisor is uh, one of our directors Abram Cox uh, Is the writer director So we, we have a lot of that cross-pollination on the show Because it's sort of A. like The people who work so hard Are rewarded for working so hard um, and, and B. It, it sort of keeps a level of producibility On this show that, that makes it feasible On a five-day schedule
1: yeah, and not to mention when you guys are, are working together so much um, and, you know, you've got these same people coming in um, who are already kind of connected to the show, it kind of, because you have such a short production time, it makes it a well-oiled machine, so you can oh, 100%. kind of streamline the process. Yeah.
0: yeah, and that's that's one of the hazards you run, uh, like just having someone come in and come out, is like they, they come in, direct their episode, and then they're not there throughout the post of it. And so, like, having, uh, like, Dan Merchant, who's one of our directors, and having him be present uh, to help run the post of his own episode makes makes a pretty huge difference. Um, and having uh, Abram be able to prep his episode over the course of a couple of weeks, just, like, chipping everything away to make sure it's all ready to go before we even start, um, allows us to get away with the fact that we don't always have the time for prep days, um, which on this show is, is is really difficult sometimes. Like, we literally go... Five days on one episode and then immediately into the next episode with no real uh balance in between. usually you need at least a couple of days to to prep in between,
3: yeah,
1: I think oh go ahead, no. I think some of my favorite episodes are the ones where um, cinematographers are also the directors. Yeah.
0: Um, oh yeah, like Alex Yellen just does such a great job, and, and like Alex Yellen and Fetty are just both such like talented uh, guys. And then we have also Peter Green as one of our DPs this year. He's he's a, a big uh, presence uh, in the six hundred camera union, and, and it's just having like really talented people at all turns. Uh, churning out good product And, and it makes a real difference on a show sort of that works at our budget and our speed
1: yeah um we we have a question uh from the chat um asking about the zombies walking into the fire when um when lucy's funeral pyre went up um and uh kind of asking about the implications of that Uh, Do do you have any thoughts on that or is that kind of like more like "Ah, what you see is what you get on that one?
0: Well, I think it it speaks to sort of the power that that the the Murphy clan um, has when it comes to their connection to the zombies and that um, these are zombies that like are really sensing this this death and this destruction um, in a way that they they have to do something. They're just compelled forward. Um, and something I think we've established very well uh, with Lucy is that these are people still. These are people who have a and have uh, a soul and an identity that they can still latch on. Um, and so having this uh, uh, sort of moment of of zombie, uh, sort of self-immolation uh, as part of the grieving of Lucy um, is definitely dark, but uh, I think a, a very important uh, aspect of sort of her arc.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a very fitting way
3: to say goodbye. It, it is. is.
2: Um, go ahead. Um, we had an emotion sandwich this episode. That was the top slice.
3: We did. I think I saw Craig tweet that this is one of the highest watched episodes on a Friday night. Is that Correct, Daniel. Would you know that?
0: I have to double check the ratings for this I th- episode. I, I think haven't it actually was really high. Yet.
3: However, what I've what I've gleaned from um, certain hashtags and reviews is that it's kind of a mixed reaction. To like, this you, is definitely. It it, it's been a it.
0: divisive episode for <laughs> so, sure. Because so, like. The people who love it, love it. The people who don't, really don't.
3: (laughs) Was that kind of just like an understanding going into this that Stephen Graham had? Like, people are either going to love it or hate it. This is my vision. This is what we're going to do. And everyone was kind of on the same page.
0: Well, I think also just, just the reality of this show is it's very often it puts you into love it or hate it situations just by sort of the level we take things to. Um, and I, I think uh, one of the things about this episode that makes it divisive is also it comes off of such a deeply emotional episode and, and an episode that really is kind of like, for lack of a better term, kind of hard to watch in a lot of ways with, yeah, uh, with Lucy with that. passing um, that this episode is sort of bouncing us back into absurdity while it's definitely sort of on brand for us uh, <laughs> is kind of jarring. Um, but at the same time, I think it, it, it really fits who we are. It's, this is a show that we go from really dark and serious things to, are those fucking juggalos? <laughs> like, at 100 miles an hour. <laughs> um, and I, I think this was just a good distillation of sort of the way that this show works.
3: I agree with that. Yeah, I do. I, like. I I mean, so far this season, in the best way possible. I personally have had to sit and think a while about how an episode makes me feel. Yeah, which is a lot of growth as a show because season one, I was just like, "This is hysterical! What am I watching?" Look at that! Look at that wheel of cheese! Look at that wheel of cheese! (laughs) Look at that Um, Liberty Bell taking out those zombies! It's definitely grown, and I. Like I see both sides of the, the love hate of I know nothing about juggalos, so this feels like it's Very... not catered to me, but it shouldn't have to be catered to me. It's catered to everyone and it's like Well I it... feel
0: like juggalos are at least somewhat in the zeitgeist to the point where I feel like it was it was it was it was a subculture That we at least had some anchor uh, to taking on. Uh, It was either that or believers, and I think we we made the right (laughs) choice. I love
3: that it was the (laughs) Juggalos, and I I think that that's really cool that Z Nation showcases those aspects of society within the apocalypse, the things that you wouldn't think about when you're focused on also, Just to be
0: realistic, I'm pretty sure we have a solid Juggalo fan base. Well, like just I, talking about the taste of this do. show, I feel like it overlaps pretty solidly.
2: Yeah. Well, and I feel like juggalos are less likely to burn the world down at being slighted than believers are. <laughs> true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to be Definitely fair, yeah, a little bit more
1: afraid of uh, believers. Um, the uh, I know that there were a couple uh, ICP guys on set, but did you guys reach out to them beforehand?
0: I I'm not entirely sure. I know we reached out to Fago. Um, but uh, I think reaching out to ICP, I'm, I'm not sure. That would have been on the production side of things, which I was not as tied into on this particular episode um, uh, just because I was preparing for my role. <laughs> um, but, uh, but no, it, it's definitely... It's, it, I, I, I hope that e- even in the absurdity, I hope that we did them justice, um, and I feel that we, we did our best to represent them in both a positive and ridiculous light. Um, as horrific as they were, and but I think that we we sort of, it, it's an equal opportunity apocalypse of nonsense, um, and that we do our best to make fun of everyone and to also give everyone their shot at the same time.
2: Well, I feel like we almost had the Juggalo spinoffs here with the Zuggalos, which is why we started with Pretty Fly for a White Guy. It's like, they're trying real hard to be Juggalos, and it's like... You're doing your best, but you're missing the little, point. A little too high on recycled
0: cotton. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, one, one of my favorite little touches for this episode was, oh, oh, oh boy. Uh, I
3: mean, when you're addicted, recycling that's a, that's a creative solution, Ugh. to be sure. <laughs> yep. Ugh. Um I do have a question that kind of segues into news and gossip. I'm just going to go Absolutely. with it now. Absolutely, go for so, it. So uh, Stephen did really great at highlighting... The um, different attributes of, of being a juggler within the episode, with the fago and the whoop whoop,
0: and, and,
3: and the other things, and then we threw in the pinky thing at the wedding. And I have to ask, is that specifically inspired from the news story that broke in 2016? Do you know?
0: Say that one more. You actually cut out just as you were saying that last part. Oh no. uh, The, the um, what at the wedding?
3: The the pinky. Cutting cutting the cutting off of the pinky like we're married uh, now and we're going to cut off the pinkies and exchange them uh, and then eat them later. No, is uh, that... I
0: actually am not aware if that's a reference, but I it would not is? be surprised if it was. Oh,
3: so this is news and gossip. OK, yeah. we're, we're
0: going straight into news and gossip, guys. After TV news.
3: Fun fact for all of those listening, because <laughs> I'm a nerd and I had to look this up. <laughs> I just had to. Um, <laughs> they talked about this on My Favorite Murder at one point. Well, not everyone listens to that. Uh, so that. a Wisconsin juggalo um, is, got sentenced to three and a half years of prison last year for committing a crime last year in August 2016 where there was a consensual um, situation oh. where a woman willingly let her arm be cut to have her blood drank, drunk from yeah. her arm, vampires, and then offered to have her pinky cut off. So they... They cut off her pinky, and the guy who did it, who um, is now sentenced to prison, put it in the freezer to eat later. And it was all a personal, effed up tribute to their friend who passed away, who was also a juggler. So it was a weird juggler wake where they decided to cut off a pinky to eat it later uh
0: definitely news to me but i would not be surprised if steve stumbled across that in his uh in <laughs> his, his research
3: yeah uh, so that that was based off of real life in in my opinion i'll double check with steven but I, are yeah. we sure they weren't high on recycled oxycontin because It may not have been recycled but i'm pretty sure something oh, was going there on was, there according to the report there was no alcohol or drugs it oh was a purely God. consensual Gracious. situation
1: Oh
0: jeez! Well, yep. the people got to live their lives the way they. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah,
3: uh, I well, I'm gonna leave so. that one be. <laughs> You're um, welcome for that.
1: <laughs> I'm afraid it doesn't look like we have uh, any time for predictions this time around. Uh, uh, suffice None to puns. say, suffice to say that uh, it's gonna be fun, like Catholic school flashbacks, uh, next None episode. Fun. Uh, Daniel, thank you so so much for, for calling in. Um do you have Absolutely any time. Do you have any other upcoming projects that you can tell us about? I know
0: and uh, just just definitely keep an eye out. There's there's some stuff coming down the pipe. Nothing uh, nothing worth entirely mentioning yet. Uh, you can follow me on all of my various social medias at Outlier Imagery. That's O-U-T-L-I-E-R, I M A G E R Y. Uh, that's .dot com at Gmail at Instagram at anything you like. So uh, drop me a line if you're curious, but uh, otherwise, definitely keep an eye out.
1: And I don't think you'll you'll be able to comment on this, but we do have one more question from the chat. Any word on renewal for season five as of yet?
0: Nothing I've heard, um, but there's uh, there's always uh, murmurs brewing, so we'll uh, we'll see when we see.
2: All right. So keep watching it, keep reviewing, keep talking about it, keep buying the subscriptions yeah. on Amazon and iTunes. Tell keep your doing friends, the, the, watch the, on the, Friday. The, the higher
0: yeah. our ratings, the more and more likely we're coming back. That's that's always the way it works. So, uh, the the more people you get watching, the more people you get Netflix in, the the more activity we get on social. The the happier Sci-Fi is to. to bounce us for uh, season five so um however you uh, consume the show consume it uh, as much as you can and keep us posted to how you like it
1: well again thank you so so much daniel for calling in anytime
0: it's- and I'll, I'll i'm more than happy to call in again uh, i actually uh, uh once again helped write the finale this season oh um, fun. So carl and i co-wrote the finale this season and had uh, the lovely abram cox directing so uh hopefully i'll be calling in on that one and uh speak to you guys soon
1: well, awesome. Here's hoping. Um, again, thank you so, so much. It's been wonderful talking to you. Uh, hope to talk Pleasure to you Pleasure, as soon. always. All right. Um, well, that basically wraps it up
3: for tonight. Michelle, where can people go if they want to find you? If you want to find me and talk to me, you can find me on Twitter at Michelle underscore Cullen. I'm Katie Cullen. You can follow me all over the social medias
2: and on YouTube and Twitch at KiaJay. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. All of my shows are back. We're doing the thing. Most of them are animated. Star Wars Rebels is later tonight. Transformers Robots in Disguise series finale is tomorrow at 7 p.m. We're going to have a party. It's going to be great. We're going to try real hard not to be sad. And Ruby is back on Wednesdays, also at 7.
1: I'm not crying. You're crying. It's fine.
2: Oh, I'm crying.
1: <laughs> I'm Megan. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TheManguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I am also on a bunch of shows here at AfterBuzz. I write articles for The Movie Chick. Be sure to also check out Season 2 of The Shadow Radio Recreation where I do the voice of Margot Lane. Thank you guys so, so much for watching. We will see you all next time.